let's now worship in Bible study. So if you would, join me in 1 Thessalonians. And we're going to be in chapter 3 tonight. Chapter 3. It's kind of a short chapter, so we're going to take the whole enchilada tonight. Everybody eat dinner tonight? Yeah, so far? All right, because they... they any, is this your first time? It's only a two-hour, three-hour service. It's okay. They're like, what? Sir, you don't have to leave. Just kidding. Okay. Chapter 3, starting at verse 1. Therefore, when we, could go, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it'd be good to be left in Athens alone and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith, that no one should be shaken by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. For, in fact, we told you before when we were with you that we would suffer tribulation just as it happened, and you know. For this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith lest by some means the tempter had tempted you, and our labor might be in vain. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news of your faith and love, and that you always have a good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us as we also to see you, therefore, brethren, in all our affliction and distress, we were comforted concerning you by your faith. For now we live if you... Stand fast in the Lord. For what thanks can we render to God for you? For all the joy which we receive for your sake before our God. Night and day praying exceedingly that we may see your face and perfect what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in your love to one another and to all, just as we do to you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Let's stop there and pray. Heavenly Father, we wish to see you, Lord. We wish to see Jesus clearer. Help us to be inspired by these words, Lord. Help us to apply them to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So when I was preparing these notes, I noticed that we could see a little bit of Paul's humanity in, the, in these passages, revealing a little bit of his worries, his comforts, his dependence on God. It, he also emphasized this maturity in faith, and it describes these normal like struggles that we are to face these struggles, these trials and tribulations that the Christian life brings us. What we'll learn is that God uses these struggles to ultimately grow our faith and draw us closer to him. God uses these struggles to grow our faith and draw us closer to him. So let's take a quick flyover before we zoom in and take a quick look, a closer look, actually. Paul sends Timothy to ensure that the Thessalonian believers, that they're still there, that they're still trucking, that they're still safe. They're facing challenges in their Christian journey. And Paul got worried about it. And so he was so relieved when Timothy brought back word of their strong faith. 
Then the chapter ends by, with a little prayer that Paul has. And for them that they, they grow and that they remain blameless. So let's, let's take a closer look. Okay, 1 Timothy, or excuse me, first, the first and second verses are sending Timothy for encouragement. Verse 1, therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it'd be good to be left in Athens alone. Okay, I can't stand it. Paul's like, I got to just stay here in Athens. We're going to stay here. We'll be here alone. But here's what, we're, here's what we did. He's, he's recalling to them what transpired. He says, and we sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith. Why was Paul so worried? Well, he spent three weeks with the Thessalonians. Three entire weeks. And man, at first, people weren't buying into it. Then he goes to the pagan believers of Thessalonia in Greece. People that were totally into the Greek gods. This this multi-theistic approach to life. After that, Paul gets ran out of town. The guy who was harboring Paul, Jason... Man, he gets arrested, drug out of his house. Man, that's what happens to Paul. He goes to a city, spreads the good news, people get saved, and then he gets his butt kicked right out of town. The Pauline cycle, as I've mentioned. It happens. So he's, he's gone. He's stressing out. I hope these guys are okay. Oh, man, what should we do? Let's try to get over there. Oh, man, you know what, guys? Let's just stay here in Athens. Send Timothy So he tells him, so we sent to you Timothy, our brother, and minister of God. This is the same Timothy that we see two letters written to, this young pastor that's in Ephesus, Turkey. Asia Minor, as the Bible calls it, but it's modern-day Turkey. Timothy's there. Paul's writing him encouraging letters as he's handling these different situations in the church, dealing with people and roles and responsibilities with the men, the leaders, the ladies. He's like, Timothy, don't stress out. Fight the good fight. We're talking about that, Timothy. He says he's a brother. He's a brother. Did you know you, you were like blessed with a new family when you came to become a believer? You have this new family in Christ. So he says he's a brother, not just a bro from the packing house, but globally. Timothy, it's, we have brothers all over the place. He's a laborer, a minister, fellow laborer. He's a servant. He's a servant, just like you and me. We're all servants. You're a believer in Christ, you've got a ministry. For some of you, it's at work. For some of you, it's at home. For some of you, it's doing something in the church or the community. I don't know, it's different for a lot of people. You are a servant if you are a believer in Christ. So we, he sends Timothy. And he has a purpose for why he sent Timothy. He says these two words, to establish and encourage. Establish and encourage. Establish means to build up, to make stronger. He wanted Timothy to go out there and stabilize their faith. Stabilize their faith. Now, Timothy didn't have to be the Holy Spirit to those guys, because that's his job. But Timothy was sent to go and encourage them. So here's courage. And courage is, is when you're putting courage into something, into someone. Now, At my house, my mom was a big John Wayne nut. I've seen every single movie multiple times, okay? For those of you guys under 40, John Wayne, he was also the Duke, okay? He was Hollywood's, like, man's man. 
And so I have this magnet. It's still on my mom's uh, refrigerator. And he talks about courage. Courage is being scared to death and saddling up anyway. Meaning, when you're scared to death, you still take those steps with the Lord. The Lord says, I, the Lord your God, am with you wherever you go. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. I, the Lord. So having, so Timothy's job was to establish them, to grow them, to build them. His job was also to encourage, put courage into them. And what's courage? Well, Sometimes you're a little scared, but you saddle up anyways and take those steps forward. He, he's supposed to give strength to them, to, to help them look ahead, to move forward, to reach the next goal. That word encourage, when you take it back to the Greek, Greek it's parakaleo, parakaleo. That's what encouragement means. Um, it's kind of the root word of paracleto, which is what we, use, what we see the Bible say, the Holy Spirit, as the counselor or the advocate. He's with us. He goes alongside us, building us up and leading us. Timothy's job was not to be the Holy Spirit in their life, but to come alongside them and to encourage them. How can we do this? How do we know when it's time to encourage or be encouraged? How do we know when we're supposed to help establish or encourage someone? I think that God will gift you the opportunity. He'll gift you these opportunities. If you're like, no, I, I really have the Lord in me. I, I feel like I have something to offer. Well, pray. Pray that God grows those gifts, those talents and abilities that he's given you. And ask him, for, ask him for those opportunities to be ordained, that he meets those gifts, talents, and abilities with opportunities. Pray, pray. When the opportunity surfaces and someone's coming up to you, first, learn where they're at. Learn where they're at. Those closest to me, will tell you that sometimes, like outside of a counseling session, some of my closest friends and family, they'll come up to me and they'll say, Rick, I just need you to listen. And then when they do, like, you gotta listen and see where they're at. Pray, 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 pray. I always talk about prayer because it's the most important thing we can do. And remind people of God's promises, his victories in their life. That's how we encourage one another, reminding them of God's victories, of God's promises in their life. And when is this encouragement going to come into play? Well, when we're facing afflictions and trials. Take a look at verse 3. <clears throat> verse 3 says that no one should be shaken by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. I sent him to establish you and encourage you so that no one should be shaken by these afflictions. So he's trying to prevent them from being shaken. So Paul, he was a little stressed out, wondering what's going on. Are they okay? Man, that mob was crazy when we left. I hope they're okay. So we, let's send Timothy. Timothy gets sent. He wants to make sure that they are stable, that they get established, that their spiritual lives aren't this chaotic and scary spiritual roller coaster. Because he says, you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. The Living Bible translates that verse. 
as this, the Living Bible says, such troubles are a part of God's plans for us Christians. Did you know that when you began your salvation, like Jesus, you know, you, you have, you're saved in Jesus, right? Oh, great, I'm saved. The next line that you start standing in is the one where they hand out the targets. Like, they don't tell you that, huh? They don't tell you that. No one told me that, but that's true. You begin with salvation, you move to the next line where you pick up your target. Just as he says, for you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. Why does God allow these difficulties to come into our life? Oh my goodness, why? Great question. It's to strengthen us, to strengthen you. Faith is like a muscle. It has to be exercised regularly. (laughs) So I didn't go to the, you know, everybody makes resolutions to go to the gym, right? So in January, guess what I didn't do? I did not go to the gym. I was being a little lazy. But last week, I got super motivated. I was like, you know what? I'm going to the gym. I went out on Wednesday, rode my little indoor bicycle for 30 minutes, and I couldn't walk right for like three days. Friday came around, and I was like, I'm not going to the gym. I'm going to go to men's breakfast, have donuts, and go to Farmer Boys afterwards. That's what I'm going to do. I didn't even bring my gym bag because I didn't want to be all pressured like that. Okay, no, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I'm going to go back. But you get, <laughs> that's what happens when you start working out. You start getting a little sore. You start getting a little sore. But gosh, you, you get bigger. That's how the muscles start developing. You break it down, they get these little micro tears, and then they start building. That's what I'm told. Faith is like a muscle, and it has to be exercised. Struggles, trials, temptations, they're all a part of our Christian life. And I know that this isn't what you want to hear. I know it's not. I guess I'm trying to tell you that if you're going through struggles, you're not crazy. It happens. It happens. But God will use it for good. Well, how do you know that? Because the Bible says so. Check it out here in Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Love God, called according to his purpose. God uses all things. All the great things that you're like, this is so amazing. It's the best time of my life. To the deep, dark valleys, that this is the worst time of my life. I've had such grief and sorrow. I can't even, I don't even know what I'm going to tell people. God uses all those things and everything in between for good. And then Paul goes on to say in verse 4, for in fact, we told you before that when we were with you, that we would suffer tribulation just as it happened. And you know, Paul straight out said, I told you so. If you guys haven't known yet, I'm a baseball guy. Paul, in his vast experience, he called it like this. So that's, that's Babe Ruth. George Herman Ruth, the Sultan of Swat. Him. I can say that. Look, I'm wearing PF flyers. <laughs> it's from the movie, if you guys didn't get it. Okay, George Herman, Babe Ruth whose career in the major league spanned 22 seasons. A few of those were on the Red Sox, by the way. Poor guy. Yeah, I heard that. 
this guy played 22 seasons. He was so good at what he did. You know what he would do? He had such experience. He would occasionally step up to the plate, and what he's doing, he ain't stretching out his arm. He's saying, guess where this is going, guys? And then he'd step up, and he'd smack it right out of the park. He could read people and situations. He just had training and experience, and he just knew that he knew that where that thing was going. Paul is saying, I called it like Babe Ruth. I've been beat up. I've gotten rocks thrown at me, killed, cursed at, thrown in jail. I see where this Christian life will take you. I hope and pray that the Lord would continue to endure, help you endure and strengthen your faith. Paul is not just saying, hey, I told you so, neener, neener, neener. No, what he was doing when he told them that this would happen is the same thing that I'm trying to do. Prepare, prepare and equip. That's what we're supposed to do. Prepare and equip the saints for the work of the ministries. That's what pastors are supposed to do. So it's like life happens. This is not so supposed to be this perfect eternity that we're promised with Jesus after this planet. Remember the long rope that we had last week? The little part was life and the long white uh, rope was, was the symbol of eternity. Stuff happens on this side of eternity. That's what Paul's saying. Paul knew that the devil, the villain of this love story we call the Bible, that he's this evil spirit who hates God and seeks to tempt us away from God. Check out verse 5. For this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter and the tempter had tempted you, and our labor might be in vain. I couldn't stand it any longer. Paul was worried. He was anxious. The great apostle Paul was anxious and worried. Why? Because he had seen it. He knows what could happen. He was afraid that the devil would tempt people away. They didn't have regular updates. It wasn't, they didn't have Twitter or Elon calls it X now, where you could just post a status update. You know, they didn't have Facebook or, you know, he couldn't see them like doing some like crazy TikTok dances. Okay, they're okay. No, he had to send Timothy. I can't, en- I can't endure it anymore. Timothy, get going. But you know what the Bible tells us to do with our worry? This is a great memory verse, Philippians 4, 6. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace, it says, will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Wow. Don't worry about anything. Don't worry. Give thanks. Tell him what you need. He doesn't say tell him his instructions. That was a lesson he clearly taught me. I don't need your instructions, Rick. You got yourself into the problem. You're telling me how you're going to get yourself out of it. No, thank you, sir. Let me take it from here, pal. And the peace of God will guard, will guard. Okay, let's take a close look. This word tempted, it's a good word to learn so you can understand what's going on. We have the tempter, his name is the devil. He has a real name, his name is Lucifer. 
No, he's not this cute little red guy with little horns and a little pitchfork. I think he looks a little more like that guy from Legend. You remember that movie back in the 80s with, when Tim Curry dressed up? He's a big buff red guy with those gnarly big horns. I, that guy looks like the devil. Really, he's an angel fallen. His name is Lucifer, and he's the tempter. And he tempts. Tempts means he tries to draw us away. Well, how do I know that the Lord's not testing me? Good question. Let's talk about these two words. Temptation is what the devil would use, a desire, a want to draw you away from the Lord. Draw you away from the Lord. Causing sin, okay? Being tempted, which we all are, is not a sin. We're not sinning when we are tempted. If we give in to the temptation, there's the sin. Okay, let's talk about testing. Testing, I know there's teachers in the audience. When you test the kids, you are trying to figure out what's inside the kid, inside the student. That's the test. So God needs to figure out what's inside of us? No, he already knows. Remember, God uses struggles to draw us closer to him and mature our faith. So when the Lord tests us, he's revealing to us our confidence in him, our hope in him. Okay, so let's talk, let's review this. The devil, he tempts. God, he tests. And what are we supposed to do? Trust. We're supposed to trust in the Lord. All right, let's get into some good news of faith and love. Verse six, but now that Timothy has come to us and brought us good news of your faith and love that you have always have a good remembrance of us, Greatly desiring to see us as we also to see you. Okay, we remember Paul was worried. He dispatches Timothy. Timothy goes back. He meets Paul at Corinth and gave him the good news about their faith, their faith, their confidence, their hope. Timothy didn't go back there and said, dude, Paul, check it out. They just started this new building project that got this killer worship team going on. Oh, my gosh, you should see what they did at VBS. It was amazing. Paul doesn't care about any of that. He cares about their faith. What is the status of their faith? Believer, that is what is of real concern. What is the status? What is the state of our confidence, our hope, our trustful expectation in the Lord? What is the status of it? And when he hears like, wow, their attitude toward God, their relationship with him, Man, he's like, it's on fire, Paul. They have so much love. Yeah, uh, this, okay, let's talk about these words. Faith refers to their attitude towards God, their relationship towards God, okay? Love, though it's connected to their faith, their love is showing faith, expressing it to others. That's what he's reporting back to them. Man, you should check this out, Paul. One, these guys are on fire. They are totally sold out believing in the Lord. And boy, man, it looks like the stuff hit the fan there. But man, they're enduring. They're enduring. And they're showing love. We learned a couple of chapters ago in 1 Thessalonians that the Thessalonian attitude toward God was so awesome and so powerful. Hello? 
Hello? Okay, it's, there it is. For you watching online, not, you didn't miss anything. The Thessalonians, they were on fire, and it was so awesome what they were doing. It was going to all nations. I mean, wow. It was affecting the surrounding area. Their, their, their spiritual health, their energy, their love for the Lord and for other people, it was going beyond their boundaries. When Timothy reported this to Paul, he was pumped. He says, therefore, verse 7, brethren, in all our affliction and distress, we were comforted concerning you by your faith. Paul's like, I felt the pressure. I've been stressed worrying about them. But man, when Timothy brought back the news of you guys, man, I was so comforted and encouraged. I had peace. Here's what's happening. Paul was borrowing some of their faith. This was like a faith on loan thing, a faith on loan. When you got to kind of borrow someone else's faith, what does that mean? Well, every once in a while, we start to lose faith. I didn't say lose salvation, okay? I want to be clear because some people think, oh, did I lose my salvation? No. You just kind of lost some faith. You had some struggles, got a little discouraged. Sometimes we fall down get distressed, downtrodden. We start worrying. Whatever the case is, we kind of need people to pick it back up. We need that establishing. We need that encouraging. Who picks up your faith? Who's the encourager in your life? Do you have people like that that can help you pick your chin up, that can help you that's why it is so necessary for us to be connected to a church. Yes, I mean like church, not just the ecclesia, the called out ones. I mean, it's very necessary. If you want to grow in your walk, in your relationship with the Lord, you got to have a church around you. You got to be in a church where you feel safe, where they're teaching the word. And I mean it where you feel safe. You want, you want to make sure that kids' ministry for your kids is clean and safe. I mean that. You want to make sure it's a safe environment. You want to make sure they're teaching God's word. You want to make sure you are growing in your relationship with the Lord. Where you can call and say, hey, I need prayer. Where you can hang out and not, no, they're not just rushing you out the door. Unless you're staying too late on a Sunday night, then the lights go off. I get it. I know what I walked into. Start charging rent here after a while. Just kidding. If this is your first time, this is why they keep us on Sunday nights. One of these days, I'm going to get told to stop saying that. <laughs> my, my phone goes off. Rick, call me in the morning. We need cheerleaders in our lives. Seriously, we need cheerleaders in our lives. That was the safest picture I could find to bring to church. I'll tell you, this week... Me and, me and my wife were having coffee. She walks by my laptop, and I go, I'm looking at these for church as I'm trying to find conservatively dressed cheerleaders. I'm like, it's for church. It's for Bible study. And this is what I found. We need cheerleaders. We need people to encourage us. We need, why are cheerleaders so important? Why are cheerleaders so important? Because they help boost team spirit. They help get the fans pumped. They help, like, get unity going. Man, we need cheerleaders in our lives. And I don't mean just someone who says, hey, guys, hope in hope. No, someone that's going to remind you of God's victories in your life. 
Someone when you're in the most stressed out, messed up situation that you think no one in their right mind would ever understand, they can just simply sit there, listen, and tell you how great God is. I'm serious. We need cheerleaders. Often in counseling situations, when the time is right, I'll say, guys, I'm here to just cheerlead. That's sometimes part of the job as, as being a minister, not just to be a pastor. I mean a minister, a servant, just a, uh, a brother or a sister in the Lord. Sometimes we're called to cheerlead, to remind people that God is sovereign, that he is awesome. Because sometimes in the scariest situations, people are freaking out because they don't know. And like I heard from Chuck Smith years ago, I was listening to one of his teachings, he he says, I don't want to trade what I know about God for what I don't know. What do we know about God? He's all-powerful. He's everywhere, all at the same time. And he's all-knowing. And God is love. Don't get that confused, because if you do love is God, your life starts to look a little different. God is love. We know this about him. So sometimes we just need some cheerleaders in our life. Hebrews tells us, Hebrews tells us, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Man, if you don't have cheerleaders in your life, pray. God, give me someone that would help spur me on through this challenge, this stressful situation. Man, help me, Lord. Bring some kind of minister or a, a conduit. You guys know what a conduit is? Like you have sprinkler pipes in your yards and water flows through it. That's a conduit. Or like we have energy uh, conduits right here where the electrical wires flow through it. Maybe God makes you a, a conduit or his work, his spirit can flow in you and through you. His grace can go in you and through you. Maybe you need someone like that in your life. We have time set aside throughout the week where you can come and get prayed on and you can pray for people. Thursday's the school of prayer led by one of our elders. Friday morning, a bunch of handsome guys, they meet here. I shouldn't have said that. But it's a men's Friday morning prayer. We meet the first and third Fridays. And we pray. If you've submitted a prayer request, it gets prayed on. I mean, sometimes, and then a lot of other groups just take our prayer list and they pray. Maybe you're the cheerleader in someone's life right now. Maybe you're like, well, how do I test the water? How do I try out for the cheerleading squad? Go behind the truck, grab a prayer list, and start praying at home for people that need prayer. Seriously, that's one way to get on the squad. That's how you audition. All right, in verse 8, he says, for we now live. He's got this great news. He says, for we now live. If you stand fast in the Lord, we live, which means he's refreshed. He's pumped. I'm so excited. My strength is renewed. You know what this is like when I read this? This is what the scene I got. Remember in Apollo 13 when everybody's freaking out? We can't hear him. We can't hear him. Oh, my gosh, Rick, I'm not 30 years old, 40 years old. I don't know what you're talking about. Great, we have a clip for you. Everybody's all tense. We have a clip for you. Guys, we have a clip for them. Switch the screens. Switch the screens, guys. 
Okay, everybody's worried. Here we go. happening did they make it and then they find out they made it they're okay Paul is waiting desperately for Timothy's response what's going on boom he comes back Paul I'm telling you their faith is strong man God is doing a great work in fact the whole area is starting to hear about the Thessalonians and how God's been sustaining them and maintaining them God's at work in their lives and Paul's like "Woo! I can live now I am wow him and his companions were pumped pumped for what thanks he says can we render to God for you for all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before God man I don't even know what to say to God he says I'm so excited and thankful I'm rejoicing to God Paul's almost lost for words he's just like what do I say in thanksgiving to the Lord I'm so excited and he finishes these last few verses by by a prayer. He goes, man, night and night and day, praying exceedingly, verse 10, that we may see your face and perfect what is lacking in your faith. He says, every day I'm praying that I can get to see you guys. It's a term of endearment, what he's saying, this phrase. He's like, ah, I just can't wait to see you guys. I'm so excited. I can't wait to see you. When he says perfect what is lacking, he's not saying, oh, your guys' faith, you guys are missing out on stuff. No, no, no. Paul's a good shepherd. He, was, he spent a few weeks with them, and he's writing this letter. He's just wanting to keep building them up. He wants to keep establishing them and training them up. It's kind of like this. I get in my truck on Sunday nights, and that's like when the best sermon happens, I'll tell you. The best sermon happens when I'm gone because I think, oh, I could have said this, and I could have said that, and then I get home, and I'm all sitting. You think I should have said it this way or that way? I'm telling you, I get what Paul's saying. He's just trying to fill in the gaps, fill in the gaps. That's it. But you know what? For you guys, you guys are ministering and being encouraging and getting God's reminders out there. Don't stress out by what you said or didn't say. You know why? Because God uses it. God uses what you say. And when you're sharing his word, God uses it. And I have a verse to, to, uh, as evidence, okay? Check this out in Isaiah. The rain and snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. That comes to us from Isaiah 55, 10, and 11. When you're encouraging, don't, don't freak out that you're like, oh, I should have said I would have. No. Share the word of God as simply as you can. K-I-S-S. Keep it simple. Saint. 
Okay, we'll be nice. There's new people here. We got to be nice, folks. Keep it simple. Just know that, man, God's going to produce fruit when you're sharing his word. He's going to produce fruit. It won't return void. Like he says, and that verse comes from Isaiah 55, 10 through 11. Okay, our verse 11 here in Thessalonians. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. Okay, Paul's going, he's closing this out. Paul's closing this out. Paul may be closing out, but I still got like another 40 minutes. Just kidding. It's a school night. I know. So he says, you know what? Here's my prayer. You know what? I'm praying for you guys, but I'm praying that God would direct our way to you. He is submitting his travel plans to the Lord. He was so worried and anxious, so he sends Timothy out. I want to be there. I want to be there. Yeah, you know what? Paul realizes, I just need to surrender this to the Lord. I need to give it to the Lord. I'm just going to surrender my plans to the Lord. Okay? He's like, God, you're smart. You're all powerful. You're all knowing. I surrender my plans to you. And then he says, and may the Lord, verse 12, our last verse for the evening, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you. I like the Living Bible's translation. I was kind of on a Living Bible kick this week. And their translation, it says, and may the Lord make your love grow and overflow to each other and to everyone else. Grow and overflow. Love is a hallmark, a mark of an authenticity of a believer in Jesus Christ. Love is a hallmark or a mark of authenticity. Kind of like when you guys, when we used to rip open baseball packs, you'd look for that hologram. You're like, oh, it's real, cool. Love is the hallmark of authenticity, a mark of authenticity of the Christian life. Remember, God is love. As we saw where Paul was giving God the credit, like, wow, how do we render thanks to you? He knows that God is responsible for maintaining their faith just as he's responsible for maintaining your faith, my faith, as we go through circumstances. So Paul's prayer is that your love would grow and overflow. Over the years, the ministry volunteers and I, this is what we pray for. We pray for what we call bubble uppers. We want people serving in ministry, and we have people that serve in ministry that have, so, if you're serving in ministry, you have God's love in you so much that you're crazy enough to start doing ministry all the time. And it's flowing out of you. And our prayer is always, Lord, help us to find these bubble uppers. Keep raising bubble uppers. If those of you guys that have young kids, if they haven't done like science fair yet, one of the coolest science experiments I've ever seen is this elephant snot thing. Or is that what it's called? Or elephant toothpaste. Elephant toothpaste, elephant snot. What kind of, what is he teaching here? It's called elephant toothpaste. And man, this stuff overflows and like takes over whole desks. It's so cool. That's what we want in, in our lives. We want to have God's love in us so much that it grows and overflows out of our eyeballs and our ears. How? Where do I start? With a relationship with the Lord. Then what do I do? Keep walking forward with him. Keep praying to him and talking to him. If you want to get the Lord in you and grow 
you got to start talking with him and learning about him. Be passionate about him. Well, then what? After I pray and after I read, well, then you got to start hanging out with other believers. Remember? Stay connected to a church. Right? You got to get, you got to get, you got to get on the cheerleading squad. <laughs> you got to get connected with the church. You know, I've been going to the packing house for a while. Okay, get inside a small group. Get inside a small group. Make this church small. That's how it works. There's tons of small groups all around. College groups, prayer groups, married couples groups, uh, new wines going on, children's ministry, youth ministry. Did I mention children's and youth ministry? Men's ministries, women's ministries. Let's see who else paid for me to mention their ministry tonight. Anybody? Or take, just kidding. We Check out that bulletin. If you go into the center of the bulletin, there's a ton of stuff. And it, the, this big church is small when you start plugging in. Yeah, when you start plugging in. Be bubble uppers. Pray that God would just increase and like increase his love in you and through you. And I'm telling you, you pray that prayer, it's powerful. It's powerful. Okay, last verse. Sorry, I tricked you. Last verse. So that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. He's like, man, all this is to result in God establishing. Remember, establish meant build up, make strong, grow. May he do that. Where do you start? You start with the relationship with the Lord. I have a relationship with the Lord, Rick. What do I do? Man, start praying, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your spirit. If you're going through struggles and trials and tribulations, remember God's using these struggles, these challenges, not to be a bully with a magnifying glass to burn us. No. To draw us closer to him with, in fellowship, to mature us, to pump us up, get us strong. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, God. Thank you for the truth of scripture, Father. I pray, God, that you would continue to funnel your love down to the saints, God. I pray that if anyone here is going through struggles, trials, tribulations, that you, God, would just, as my friend uh, Mr. Bonds always says, give them a hug today, Lord, and remind them of your presence, God. Any heartbroken person, any person just challenged, would you just give them peace and make yourself known in their life? For those of you that may not have a relationship with the Lord yet, and you're like, you know what, I want to get on board this, this train with the Lord. I want to know where I'll spend eternity. I'd like to know that all my sins are forgiven and wiped clean. Jesus died on the cross for those sins, for my sins, our sins, all of them. And three days later, he rose from the dead, which means we can be victory, have victory over sin and death too. If you'd like to know your sins are forgiven and you'd like to know where you'll spend eternity, we have a prayer for you that we'd like to pray with you. And it goes like this. You can say it out loud. You can say it in the intimacy of your own heart. And it goes like this, Lord Jesus, I surrender. I give you my life. Please forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I can serve you from this day forward. And all of God's kids agreed by saying, amen, amen. Man, church. Hey, if no one's told you that they love you, I love you, Packing House, but way more important, God totally loves you guys. 
Hey, God bless you guys. Good night.